0: So there's someone in the staging area, Marks, M-A-R-X. He's he's from Ubuntu Podcast. He's also a prior OG camp organizer, and he's the guy oh, that has Steam controller and did, did our review and everything. That's Wes, wonderful. Own, will
1: you pull own him own in Steam there, Wes? Yeah. I assume he probably has a working mic. I assume he probably does. Oh, I should start the show. He has hey, uh,
0: an SM58 in the mixer, yeah.
1: Chat room, please bang, suggest our show, underscored. Uh, uh, okay, I should... Hello,
2: Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, Hello, Mark.
1: Hello, Mark. So, Mark, you had a chance, sounds like, to try the Steam controller out. What do you think?
2: Did better than we
3: did.
1: Yeah, I got farther than I did. What do you think
3: of it? Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I've tried it with, with games with uh, quite a few different controller schemes. And I found, uh, yeah, it's generally really successful. Have you tried it with Alien Isolation? No, I've not got that yet. I'm, kind of I'm scared to buy it because I'm, with games like that, I tend to waste my money because I play for about an hour and then I'm just too scared to carry on. Yeah,
1: that's probably <laughs> my I bought. I literally bought it because I've, I've heard from a few people that it works out of the box with the Steam controller. So I thought, okay, this is the one to try it on. And it looks really visually it impressive. It does
2: look very impressive.
1: But uh, no, I tried. I just tried it a few minutes ago, and uh, no dice. So, uh, okay, so what's the experience like? Uh, you, you get a game, and it has controller support, and if it just has controller support, you just start playing immediately?
3: Uh, well, if it's uh, got Xbox controller support, yeah, you just tell it to emulate a gamepad, and it works as an Xbox controller would. Mm. Yeah. If it's got Steam controller support, like Portal 2 does, then it's even better because actually in game it tells you to press the Steam controller buttons rather than the Xbox controller buttons. And that's really nice. <laughs> I hmm.
1: seems like I wonder if that would have worked for this it one. It seems like for me, uh, it's it's like in in a matter of months, like a lot of the little issues I've ran into are just going to be totally solved because there will probably just be just a couple of updates to some of these games. Like take Race the Sun for example. It seems crazy that it doesn't have controller support yet. Yep. But you give it a couple. I of was weeks.
0: playing that at Mark's house yesterday. It works fine.
1: Well, there you, okay, good. There good. you go. So <laughs> when I went in there, it says it says it doesn't have controller support in the big picture mode. And that you have to, hmm. you know, that, that's, that's the kind of support I'm talking about. Not that it doesn't work. I just mean that it, you have to, more integration. Yeah, kind it doesn't yeah. seem. And I've
4: played a ton of Race to the Sun with the Steam controller, but I had to
1: use a community config. And that's not such a bad solution.
2: And it's kind of nice that Valve set it up, but. It can especially be, maybe be a good first wave to you until the, how do you you know, know the game's up. But how do you know it's like, a good scheme? You just that's, sit there and try, my like, my four or five criticism. of them? Yeah.
0: That's my criticism. They need a, like, rating system so the yeah. best ones propagate to the top. But other yeah, than that... Well,
4: you can tell, like, how many people are using it, but oh, just okay. because it's popular doesn't... No. That's mean, the bad. That's not get... a
1: horrible indicator. I mean, at least something, though.
2: Yeah, go for the second most popular.
4: I would like somebody that needs to uprate controller schemes for players that have
1: actually beat the game. Oh. <laughs> 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 I so like you just it. want the macro that will walk you through the game. You know, I I don't know why I even bother with this controller stuff because the mouse and keyboard can't be beat anyways, and I shouldn't I shouldn't bother because the you can hook up a mouse and keyboard to a Steam machine too.
5: Yep.
1: So just so, I should...
5: challenge accepted for what you play you use a keyboard and a mouse, and I'll use a controller and see who wins. <laughs>
1: Have I tried... No, I haven't tried replacing the batteries. Oh, I should try that, huh? See, that's the thing, you guys, is that the Steam controller is working in big picture mode and, like, in the Steam overlay. And it does work in games when I go in there and manually map the buttons. It doesn't... What doesn't seem to be happening is if I select a controller config, it doesn't... The game doesn't seem to be aware of any controller config or button layout that I've selected. And And most games are telling me I don't have a controller connected, even though I'm navigating the big rest picture mode and the, the rest controller. of the UI with the controller. So, are you on the Steam beta? I don't know what I'm on actually. I could check, but I, I don't I could be po- that does sound like something I would
2: do. It does sound yeah, like.
4: Yeah, I I've noticed uh, in the beta updates are coming almost daily on the Steam client lately and the release notes almost always have, you know, fix this with the Steam controller, added this to Steam big picture mode. So they're they're iterating very quickly right now.
1: Yeah, I you know, I you know what that is actually a good point is I should check for updates. That is probably something I haven't done for a few days on this, for more than a few days on this machine.
4: Yeah, the beta checkbox is really easy to find in the account settings. Um, I haven't really haven't had any...
1: I'm not any currently participating, breakages. but I don't think I've really done updates either. So, Well, I'll well, get What you'll probably
3: figured. find um, when, you're, when a controller recognizes you're, you've got buttons but not the actual controller mapping, I found before I had the Steam overlay turned on Uh, it just uses the mapping that the steam interface uses which is completely useless for any game so yeah there is something going on there where it's it's picking up that you've got the controller in steam but it's not applying it in the game
1: yeah okay well hmm. this is linux unplugged episode 117 for november 3rd 2015 Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that just threw out. It's no beer rule that it just made 10 minutes ago, right before the show started. (laughs) My name is Chris.
2: My name is Wes. (laughs) Hey there,
1: Wes. You know, it is a tasty beer, too. Thank you for bringing these in.
2: That's my job. Tempt you to break your rules.
1: You're a good man. I appreciate that. Well, it's a good show to break the rules on. Coming up on this week's episode of the Unplugged show, I tried out Ubuntu Mate 1510 over the weekend. Going to give you my follow-up on that. Uh, We're also going to hopefully hear a little bit of how Camp went, and then we're going to get into some new desktop updates and some really great follow-up, especially for those of you that are looking to do some notes in plain text and have a nice way to organize them. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cinnamon desktop as well, and then we're going to look at the Volkswagen situation one more time. Because there is another big update there, and it has caused a whole new round of mainstream press to say, This is why proprietary software is bad. It's amazing. It's hard to believe, but... We have a showcase in the show notes, uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. And then last but not least today, as we're recording this very show, Fedora23 hit the internets. The new Fedora is out. We're going to have our review on Sunday's Linux Action Show live on Friday. But we're going to cover what's new, how you can get it, and some of the things that we, as a group, are looking forward to. For Fedora 23, big release with GNOME 3.18 in it. Oh, so, fancy! Yeah. Yes, very that's fancy, great. very fancy. So we have some follow-up and some things to get into. But uh, before we go any further, I gotta bring in our virtual lug. Time appropriate greetings, mumble room. Oh, boy. oh boy. Hello. Ooh, I, I got the chum on you. Channel, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hey there. Hello. It's a big turnout today too, so that's really cool. That's great to have you. Now I hope I hope some of you are also breaking the no beer rule. Uh, that was implemented uh, ten minutes ago, and then, re- then also shattered, re- shattered two minutes ago. I-, I hope you're breaking that right now with me. So uh, I have a, I have one bullet point in the show notes uh, for this very, very important bit of follow-up this week. We have assembled a crack team of on-the-scene reporters from AugCamp 2015, and I'm hoping that, uh, I know Popey's here, uh, I believe Mark is here from, uh, from the uh, I, some, uh, some other podcast, I'm told, <laughs> and uh, some, actually all these guys from some other podcast, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm told, although those are probably rumors. They're probably not even in the U.S., uh, and they're going to they're gonna give us a roundup of what happened at AugCamp, so who should I give the floor to first?
0: I think you should hand on to Mark first because I understand Pope is having difficulty with his PC.
1: Well, you know he, you know what? That's so funny since he was giving me a hard time running Arch before the show yep. started. Isn't that appropriate? <laughs> filthy you know rumor.
5: And filthy <laughs> filthy <laughs> rumor.
1: I actually think we should give it to Mark too, though, since Mark made the uh, special trip here. It's his first time here, so why not throw him under the bus right away? That only seems fair. That's our policy. Yeah, that's that's the we so like noise of you. Yeah, the, yeah. So Mark, welcome to Linux Unplugged, and uh, tell us a little bit for those who didn't lis- listen last week. What is Ogg Camp and how the heck did it go?
3: Uh, well, Camp is, we call it a free culture on conference. So it's uh, an event that's been running for the past six or seven years. I've lost count now. But basically we uh, we hire out a venue and then we convince a bunch of people to somehow turn up and uh, come up with a schedule and give a load of talks about anything from, well, anything kind of community driven, really. So we have people talking about Raspberry Pis. We have people talking about um, running in parks at the weekend uh, we had panel discussions, we had some live podcast recordings, uh, hardware hacking, all sorts.
1: Wow, that is like a pick your choice. There's going to be something there to delight any geek that would listen to the show, I think. I
2: love the generality, you know, like it's not it's not so constrained, you can kind of just come and share the cool thing you're doing. Yeah,
1: and yep. so I bet there's a lot of Linux that works up uh, in that crowd that comes up. So how did it go? Was it a good event? Was there a good turnout? Did you enjoy yourself? I heard rumors of uh, shouting. Etc.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Shouting was mainly in the evenings. We went ah. to some really cool venues in Liverpool, which were converted warehouses. Um, and being a bunch of geeks, rather than getting up and dancing, of course, we wanted to stand around and talk about geeky things all evening. And sure. they kept on turning the music up. So uh, by, by the mornings we were a little bit hoarse. That's um, hardcore. I think we're still recovering. <laughs>
1: the reason I think System D is actually a good idea. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were there.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what it was like. Interspersed with, I'd like another beer.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. so how does it compare to last year's is that like odd camp 14
3: and 13 Ooh, uh that's a good question uh, so odd camp 13 was at the same venue um it was mm, probably comparable actually i mean we had some different things going on in terms of exhibitors but we had um you know um a similar sort of variety of talks last year's was in a different venue and had um probably more of a focus on the the sort of exhibition space as well um there was some really cool like we had a load of hack spaces there last year this year we had uh we had a few sort of hardware things and we had uh the ubuntu stall and the fedora stall across from each other in the in the exhibition space but we also had uh, we also had an intro where exhibiting which was really cool with their ubuntu laptops that they're yeah. selling now yeah i saw a few
1: pictures online of those uh and uh, i th- did i also see a fedora laptop there too
3: uh you might have done we didn't have anything to do with yeah. that really. right yeah yeah, yeah. No, still, I, did. Cool. I did
0: i made peace with my fedora brethren <laughs> and uh they were running uh fedora 23 and gnome 3 on a large a large uh panel and then on a laptop they were running uh fedora demonstrating their alternate spins and they had the mate desktop running there so uh I decided to uh to make my peace with Fedora and introduce myself to John Archer and he's a lovely bloke.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah, I, had, I, uh,
6: I saw it on your I feed. had the, the, the Ubuntu stand immediately opposite Fedora stand and partway through the day we uh we exchanged uh merchandise stickers and pens and badges and things and played uh, made up game piece. of football in no man's land.
1: Nice, uh, yes. very good. So uh I so it sounds like an event that was uh, well attended. Uh, Poppy, how did the uh, live tracker end up working out? I checked in at one point but I couldn't tell if it was working or not. <laughs>
6: yeah it was kind of hit and miss we had a uh, an ubuntu phone uh polling our position to the website uh. and uh various people would tell us every so often when it was broken uh <laughs> which was usually because i'd uh poorly written code on, on the phone, and it would uh, run out of memory as it was logging far too excessively. Wow. That was my fault.
2: That's actually pretty st- neat still, though. But this is not indicative of other apps' performance.
6: Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got that undercurrent. <laughs> <laughs> well done.
2: Yeah, Poppy's code is not. Yeah, exactly. A little disclaimer. That's still
1: a neat thing, though. I like that. That's I think, very cool. I think uh, uh, we should seriously come up with a, a legitimate live tracker app for ubuntu phone and then in, in a future road trip when i go somewhere i'll use that to track where i'm going because i have this Incredible. silver cloud thing for now but I'll, i can swap that out anytime anytime all right so uh I, wimpy and popey or mark anything else from odd camp it sounds like uh, it was a pretty fun event uh, i kind of want to
3: go there yeah me too yeah uh, one of it, the uh one of the cooler hardware hacks that i saw was uh a nerf gun range which someone had set up there was um a few years ago someone had built a minecraft crane which um picked up boxes and made them into sort of Minecraft style objects. And the same guy had brought the boxes along, made these, um, these sensors, which he put inside. So if you shot them with a Nerf gun, it, Activate the sensor, and then you had that hooked up to this RFID tag system to identify who you were, and it tracked your score and tweeted you. Wow! And um, there was a prize for the three top scores. The prizes were won by these three kids who discovered an exploit in the system, and uh, <laughs> and managed to get them score, score, so themselves scores of about half a billion compared to my sixteen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: there a uh, you know a lot of times when I attend a conference like this, even when there's like you know everything from software to hardware and community and and just the open culture itself is really the highlight. A lot of times though, you can't help but walk away and go, boy, I kind of feel like there was a overarching theme or an elephant in the room. Uh, and is there one like that at Ogg camp? Is there like a something is really kind of the buzz this year, or there's a there's like a, it feels like a bubble or a trend that you observed, or is it really pretty dispersed? there was year.
0: one there was one that emerged on. as a theme it wasn't planned but there was a lot of discussion about online privacy yeah i was um, wondering there were, that was that was the topic for the panel discussion and linux voice also recorded a live podcast on the second day and that was also their discussion right. piece for Very the live interesting. audience
1: yeah that makes sense. I was. That's actually. That was when I asked the question. That was in the back of in the back of my mind. Mark, were you going to chime in with something too?
3: Oh, I was. I was going to say exactly what Martin just said. Actually,
1: privacy and online. And is it is it like from is it from st- the state or is it uh, just privacy in general? Is it is it, if you abstract it out from there? Is it is it like
3: Snowden type stuff or what is it? The overall theme. That was that was kind of what what it came out. It was we were talking about uh, whether the cloud is a good thing or a bad thing, basically. And then we've moved on to basically do people care about what happens to their data online and should they care and can we make them? That was the where it all really went
1: but it does seem like we care as a community the people that linux that the average linux user does care and and also the average linux user seems to be better positioned than most users to do something about it either from a technical knowledge set or by the very fact that they're using an open system and so I, it it does seem to be coming up more and more at these conferences because we're the type of user to think about this kind of thing we're also the kind of user that is willing to live with password managers and dual you know a factor two factor authentication and 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 we're also the kind of user that cares about these kinds of things. So it's a really interesting cross section that I, I find when yeah. I go to these kinds of conferences. So that's interesting that it yeah. came up there.
0: So yeah, one of the talks that um, it's typical for talks to get composed as a result of a conversation the night before, and that was you know typical of Odcamp this year. And John Spriggs uh, did a piece about Squirrel S Q R L, which is a two factor authentication. Yeah, Gibson's protocol. thing, right? Yeah, uh, is that is that his thing? Yes, really. Yeah, I know. Which is why I was surprised that <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs>
3: John did specifically say that um, focus on the protocol and not who came up with it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, that is very true,
3: right? right. I mean, the, the, if the code is good code, then that's
1: and if it's, it's if it's a good protocol, then that's
2: and it's open and we can take it. to you know? Yeah.
1: So, uh, is this, uh, so, okay, uh, be honest with me. Now, be, be, be honest with me. Is this something that I should try to make it to next year? Because it's a big commitment. I would have to fly out there, lots of money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Does that seem like, I mean, uh, how many, I mean, really, come on, how many people are we talking? Uh, what first thing I'll say? 400. Oh, that's a really nice, nice sweet spot. Yeah. I like that size. That's, you get, you know, you get more than 2,000, it's just crazy
3: you so we're would looking, really enjoy it oh, that, oh, that's all I'll say regardless of, of how yeah. big the audience is you would definitely enjoy it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And We've, although, it's
1: a two,
0: although it's a two day event so there's the, the Saturday and the Sunday this time, there's actually like four days packed into that because there's the main events that happen during the day and then there's the evening events that start at about 6 o'clock in the evening and go on to about midnight or two o'clock in the morning so there's sort of like four events over those two days
1: oh that is fun i like that now is there and the a spot social i can track
0: is as good as the sort of the event itself
1: now you know that is always so true especially when it's around three four hundred people because uh when you get bigger than that it's just it's too much white noise um literally <laughs> Uh, now, is there a spot? I, is there is there a spot I can park the rover? Cause, the UK rover. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, no, I, I mean, hmm, a UK dedicated UK yeah, right, rover. Yeah, right, Oh, that's interesting. Our roads
0: are quite narrow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you might
0: have heard that we actually
6: drive on the correct side of the road. Oh, well. yeah. Yes. I am worried about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, that is gonna change my. That's gonna change my world if I have to go over there. Well, uh, I I uh, thank you guys for coming in here, and giving me the update. That is really cool. Any other things you want to mention about the uh, about Og camp fifteen before we? soldier on
6: I, no, I, I I think it's um, it's one of those things that at the end of the uh, at the end of the Sunday we all get together as, as the guy said there's like the end of, there's multiple things to get involved with and the very final thing on the Sunday is a few relaxing beers where we discuss what we're going to do next year and so we'll keep you informed about what's going to happen next year and when it will be and where it will be so yeah. you can you know you can yeah. plan your
1: flight and everything yeah do let me know and you know it's funny and, and I, I know I make this point too often uh, but and even as we sit here with a virtual lug, which is pretty awesome, like the Mumble and Google Hangouts and all this stuff are pretty damn good tools to connect with people. And we can have really great conversations. But there is just – there is something about when you go to an event like this and everybody there speaks your language – they know like what a kernel is they know what you know a cloud what a cloud computer really is when i'm talking about the cloud they know i'm really talking about somebody else's server at a data center and you all are on on the same page and it is if if you walk around in your life and you're like kind of the technical person in your family like you're the you're the person that fixes things in your family or you're in the tech department at your work uh you kind of you almost lose touch with how amazing it is to be around other people that value the same things you value and appreciate the same things that you appreciate and, and also want to, want to maybe even debate the nuance with you. And to do that in person, Mumble really does a great job of this. Uh, you know, IRC and Hangouts do a great job of this. But nothing, nothing does it like in person. Like it's a you huge guys saying, increase in the bandwidth. The social just, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a huge increase in bandwidth between two people or a whole group of people, and it is really exciting. And uh, what you realize is we're not as bad as that BSD community makes us look. Exactly. <laughs> right? We're not. We're nice people. Yeah,
2: we are. Yeah, With good software.
1: <laughs> so that's what I take away every time. Uh, all right. So I just wanted to really quickly do a little follow-up from uh, Sunday's Linux Action Show. We got an email in asking how Noah and I manage our notes. And I said, well, I always do plain text files and I try to write them in Markdown and that's kind of my base requirements. Well, we got a uh, great recommendation and uh, I, uh, I'm sorry I did not uh, grab the name of the uh, Reddit user who submitted it, but it is a QO notes. It's an open source notepad for Linux and those other desktops that works together with the notes application of own cloud. It's a desktop app though. So this is what's really cool is it's a desktop application that uh, it's a GTK app, from what I can tell, that has Markdown support, and uh, it has uh, change tracking. You use your own notes. Uh, you can sync them over to other devices. Uh, you can then log into your own cloud instance and edit them with a local own cloud app. But even if you're on, like, an iOS device, you can – if you have own cloud and access, like, to the file system, you can just edit it with any Markdown editor. Like, it is not locked to own cloud. So this is really, really cool, and uh, – I've made a big stink about OwnCloud before. I, have you caught
2: that? Uh, um, just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I basically bailed on OwnCloud. Um, uh,
2: you certainly taxed it a few it months and ago. Disappointed yeah, you. Yeah, basically,
1: you know. I just pushed it to the limits with way too much data, and I bailed. Uh, but I, I, only bailed, and I don't think I made this point very clear. I only bailed for file sync. Uh, I'm still using OwnCloud. to And that's do, one area
2: where it has the most competition, I would say.
1: Right. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And and honestly, I think SyncThing does a better job. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm still using it for Cardav and Caldav. Uh, what, do you, what do you, so you have a Nexus 5. Are you, are you all in on the Google?
2: At the moment, my main counter is I do have an own, cal- own cloud instance that needs to be updated. And uh, yeah. But I've but I'm impressed with it in the past. I have mean, you considered
1: to do most- trying to transition from Google services to own cloud or is it just not worth it?
2: No, I think it's totally worth it. Um, I need to move email. Email is the one thing, and then I think I would consider moving yeah. moving the rest of my yeah. investment.
1: So uh, I did. You know, it's funny you say that because I went the opposite route. I moved yeah. uh, my calendar and my and my uh, access. Or my oh, calendar and my uh, my address book, and I haven't moved email yet. And so this is why for me, I kind of like this Q own notes because I still have an own cloud instance sitting around that I could use to sync my notes. But on the back end, it's all just text files, too. Or, right. or markdown files, which are text files.
2: Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. I love the text files. This is a really cool recommendation.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. QO notes. And it's a, it is, a, as you probably guessed, it is an own cloud app. Uh, but it really is just a matter of uh, syncing with uh, text files. And also, with text to do was another recommendation that came in a lot. Uh, and if you haven't caught this Sunday's Linux Action Show, the question was, is how do we manage our uh, to-dos? And I said, text files. How do you manage your to-do list?
2: Uh, text files, and I use Task Warrior for a lot of my work stuff. What? Yes. Task Warrior. Mm-hmm. Is this a desktop Android app? A uh, command line. I believe they have yeah. some. I believe they have some. Hold on a second.
1: Uh, Hold on. Hold on a second. Did you just? Did you just change my life? Uh, Mom anybody in the Mumbler room used Task Warrior. Task Warrior. Hold on. Hold on.
5: Yeah, I've used it.
1: This is a command line to do. This sounds like Linux Action Show app pick uh, material to me. You jerk, Wes. How have you been sitting on this and not telling me that there is a to-do app for the command line? Wait till you find out that
2: you can run your own server, sync server, on a DigitalOcean droplet.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm very excited. All right. Uh, So uh, this is how you do it? Okay, okay. okay. Now, uh, for everybody... Naturally. Hold on, before Wes goes any further, uh, everybody listening, we're going to play a little game. If Chris makes this his ad pick on Linux Action Show, we're all going to pretend like we didn't already hear about this. All right, so tell me about this, because I'm very excited. So you use uh, uh, Task Warrior with a DigitalOcean droplet, and you go to the command line to set your to-dos?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it really is just like a CLI interface, you know, like task add, and then uh, you can specify like project... You know, a uh, oh, project at work or, your know, home life or whatever. Uh, and then an arbitrary string. And they have, you know, you can set priorities. You can set due dates. Uh, and then a just task sync. And it syncs up. They, there's an uh, Android app called Mirakel which does task, but it integrates with the Task Warrior server.
5: Oh,
1: okay.
2: So you, okay. Know, you can have the same thing on your phone. Okay. But without the command line.
1: Okay. All right. So now uh, what's the server setup like? Is it like, so on the scale of a Quasil client to, um, I don't know, uh, Smokeping, how difficult is it to set
2: up? I would say similar to Quasl, You don't need a database backend or, or anything. For server, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, no database, so you, you don't have to set up a database server or anything like that. You do have to set up some uh, primary or private key infrastructure. Okay. But it's really not that bad. Uh, it's mostly, you know, you pretty much just assemble... You have to set up a few config configs and set the right config file so that it allows the Miracle app from your Android phone. But once you've got that in place, it, it really just works. Oh that's
5: funny. So here's another option. There's a basically there's a command line tool called to do d to do.txt. Yeah yeah, that that yeah, well. yeah. yeah. Right. And it's, it's it's a bash script. So it's essentially this it does the same stuff that Task Warrior does, but Task Warrior is uh, a lot more like robust in features. So if you've ever used to do. text, it's very similar in the way that it handles I mean, the, the main tasks. thing about
1: to-do.txt is you've got to provide your own sync mechanism. Oh, right. Right. So you have to do sync thing, or Really, Dropbox is what I think it... If you're going to use well, it... Well,
5: no. If you do the same thing that Taskwarrior does where you put it on a server, you can do the same thing with to-do.txt, put it on a server, and then just... Oh, see,
1: so it. what I'm thinking about... So, I mean, when I say that, what I'm talking about is from the perspective of mobile applications. The mobile apps that use to-do.txt have always... They always want Dropbox.
3: Oh,
5: right, see. except... Actually, there's this awesome app I found because I I, I built my own to do dot text app uh, like structure because I don't like the basic structure. I wanted to have like a massive customization where one to do dot text file is not enough for me. So I currently have like thirty.
2: Oh, uh, that's level. really boss not Yeah, really damn not dude, damn dude. That's impressive. Yeah,
5: I have I, I built my own Bash script too to to manage all of them too. So it has like <laughs> automatic <laughs> archiving from like a huge list of things. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'm actually gonna be releasing it at some point for probably. Well, but well come on, reason Hurry up, I, rotten? Well, I made it for myself and then I told people about it and they're like, oh wow, that's cool. We should give it to me like well, I didn't make it for everybody, so it's complicated. Um That's what
1: anyway. Linus that's that. what Linus said about Linux. Well,
2: that's yeah, what he said about true. Git, but, and it's still true.
5: <laughs> well, there's the the other thing is that the reason I brought that up is because there's a, a fa- because I did this, I wanted to find a mobile version. And there's this, there's a, uh, it's called Simple Tasks, and it has, um, it's Simple Task wire, uh, Cloud, and there's Simple Tasks Cloudless. So if someone doesn't want uh, a cloud storage, they can use any sync they want and sync it to their phone directly. So I have like a custom sync thing uh, set up for that. But there's also uh, the cloud version. You can choose whatever cloud you want. You don't actually have to be okay. stuck to Dropbox. Well, that's right.
1: Okay, yeah, huh. So, so there's to do dot text and task warrior as two follow-ups to uh, the email we got in the Linux Action Show on Sunday, and uh, t- the task warrior thing is really that's fascinating to me. I'm gonna check that out. I like that a lot. Now, one
5: more uh, thing. oh yeah, go ahead. One more thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the to do.txt dot text thing. Um, if someone wants a GUI uh, that Go for it app that was a app pick a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, uh, that one is uh, compatible with to do.txt, so you could have. Mm. command line, and you can also have a nice GUI if you want
1: it. I, uh, I, don't, make, I don't mean to make uh, Popey our token uh, Ubuntu phone guy, but uh, I was just going to throw this your way, Popey, because when I, when, w- whenever we're talking about like a task management app or a calendar management app, I always think, well, what if I want to bail from Android? What if I want to bail from iOS? What are you using, Poby, when when you're using your Ubuntu phone? What are you using uh, in that environment for task management to do? Or it it doesn't even have to be like to-do lists, even just like setting reminders and things like that. What are you using?
6: So that's a great question. And the reason I use the app I use is because I always used Evernote in the past. So I use Evernote on the desktop and Evernote on the web. And we have um, a notes client that can optionally sync to Evernote. So I just synchronize all my notes with Evernote and then I've got those local. But there's at least three... Um, task managers in the Ubuntu store. So, you know, if you don't want to use that one, there are lightweight ones, there's uh, HTML5 ones. Or you could just go and get the task binary, stick it on your phone and open that in a terminal if you really wanted to.
1: Yeah, you know, that's. but I, I want to talk about that. That's the elephant in the room for me for all of this. And this is something I don't say usually. Well, I've mentioned it before, but for me, if, if I want to, if I want something and I don't want to forget it for a really long time, And I'll give you an example, like, uh, when I I know I'm I'm gonna need to know the VIN number of my truck for probably about eight, nine years. That's probably how long I'll own that truck. And that's how long I own my last truck. And so there are many times when you're getting insurance or you're setting things up that you need to recall the VIN number of your vehicle. You want it easily
2: accessible. So
1: for that kind of info, like that really long term for remember forever kind of stuff, I am still today using Evernote. And I'm just choosing to use it from a smart device.
6: Um, although to be fair, the kind of stuff like that, which I would th- I would think is slightly private, like I don't know VIN number of yeah. vehicles, probably not that bad because it's probably but, visible but on I the But I do know what screen.
1: you mean. Like that I have like I have all, I have other information in there that is like kind of I'm not super comfortable with it being with a third party.
6: Right. So for those, I have a GPG encrypted text file on my local machine, which is backed up in various places. But no, you know it's GPG encrypted, so I'm, I feel okay about that. And
2: and obviously the phone you can use GPG on that. It's yeah, fine. Right. yeah. I was going to say, I keep a lot of stuff in text files with SyncThing as it is now. So. Yep.
1: yep, yep. And using I've been since I started playing with Pass, I started realizing why don't I just do this more often? I just right. encrypt this stuff and then sync it everywhere, and I don't care because I'm using GPG and I trust GPG.
2: And SyncThing has encryption as well in transit. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, but I fundamentally trust GPG. Yes, like, yes I do as well. Same thing, I, I, their encryption, I'm sure, is great. It's but just I, like a, uh,
2: okay, yeah, yeah. well, good. At least it's not plain text. <laughs>
1: exactly. So you get me, you get me. Uh, all right, Mumbo, any other thoughts on that topic before we move on?
7: Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of notes, uh, I've actually been looking, and I don't even know if this exists, for an application that you type everything in Markdown uh, for the notes and everything, and it looks like Gnode or Zim. And has support to sync to like your Google Drive or Dropbox, so that you know you know maybe late, later at some point you can access those notes on your Android device.
1: Yeah, but you can basically accomplish that today, just using Gedit or Kate or whatever, Kwrite or whatever, and just saving it to a Dropbox or a sync thing or BitTorrent sync folder, and then pulling that up on your mobile device.
2: Is there a good uh, mobile Markdown editor? Oh, yeah, lots. I assume there must be.
1: Yeah, lots. Uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head for Android because I haven't been using it for a while. But, uh, yeah, there are a lot. There
7: are, there are lot. amazing mm-hmm. editors for Markdown on Android. Mm-hmm. But, no, the reason that I'd like something like uh, Zim or Note is because of how the uh, notebooks and whatnot are organized. It's it's just a super, very cool oh, format.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Having that having that sort of meta organization with tags and and categories and subcategories is is really nice, and that's you know what Evernote provides. And it kills me. It freaking kills me. <laughs> just like uh, and and I don't want to I don't want to go on anymore on this. But uh, just like uh, we're seeing more and more open source projects take on Slack, right. and use Slack. Yeah, uh, is my favorite. Or uh, Antergross how do I say it?
5: Entergos. Wimpy-, Wimpy, can you Entergos. Entergos.
1: Entergos uh, is switching from IRC to Slack. Oh, really? And uh, there was just well, a well sort of. Well, okay. All right. Well go ahead. Correct uh, me.
5: Um, okay. They're, it's not switching, it's both. Have using both. Uh, I'm the it's lead splitting. op for yeah, it's splitting. I'm the lead op for the IRC for Entergos, and the developers prefer to use Slack. So there's a, a a weird split right now. But, yeah, they uh, it is a Slack thing that yeah. they prefer Slack, yeah. so it yeah. is becoming... They,
1: a, then they, they listed that. some really good reasons on their Google Plus page. And uh, uh, also, you know what, I'm going to say it. Jupiter Broadcasting has started using Slack. But there is a blog post at uh, DrewDevVault.com uh, saying, uh, you know, please don't use Slack, FOSS Projects. Uh, and uh, I want to dig into that because uh, I'm going to be honest... We have started using Slack here at Jupiter Broadcasting and I have felt like a bastard for the last 2 weeks <laughs> we've been using it. It has been driving me absolutely crazy and I want to talk about that with you guys first though. I want to mention Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com/unplug to get the Linux Unplug discount and support the show even if you're just checking them out. I want to browse around, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged supports this show. Go there and try them out. And then while you're there, do the tour. Take the tour. I I, I invite you because I think it's going to blow your mind. It's kind of amazing, actually. Finally, an educational resource that is really actually focused and dedicated to Linux and open source and all the technology around that, including even like AWS and all of the major technology stacks, like Red Hat, OpenStack. Yeah, it is really fantastic. They have step-by-step video courses, and they are really good with instructor help available when you need it. You can download the study guides. They're comprehensive. You can listen to them in the shower, like Listener Seth if you want. And they come with their own servers, which is not just nice, but the way they have done it, it's like, oh, yeah, they realize you're a Linux user. The way they set up the SSH, the way you can get into it and control the system, the way you get complete control over it and... Seven plus distros to choose from. And you choose the distro, the courseware and the virtual servers they spin up on demand automatically match that choice. You get to keep track of your progress as you go along, and they're rolling out new features. You know, rather than just, like, checking how you did after you're all done and waiting for the feedback after you do something, they're now allowing you to perform exercises and give you immediate real-time feedback. You could have done it this way. You could have answered it this way. You could have used this command. They have scenario-based courses that way you actually deploy and work with the technology in real time in production. So when you go to actually do it in production, in your production, when you're getting paid for it, it's not the first time you've worked with it. That is serious peace of mind. And they also now have a new professional development certification platform I invite you to go check out. If you've decided the route for you is to expand your skill set, to make you more employable, to make you a little more competitive, if you just want to challenge yourself, These are all good reasons to go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And by the way, they also have time availability planners. You can tell how much time you have if you're busy. And as a father of three and somebody who hosts 12 shows a week, trust me. Oh, actually, this week, I'm not hosting 12 shows. I take that back. But I'm still hosting like seven shows a week. Scrupulously honest hosting seven shows a week. (laughs) Right, right. Six shows maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll just cancel one of them randomly. But still, trust me, I know what it's like to feel very busy. I really do. And that's why their availability planner is freaking awesome. I love it. Plus, they have live sessions you can attend. They have a community that is stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members to help you when you need a little bit of boost. And they have live sessions with those Q&A. I really think that's a valuable thing. Graded server exercises are really great. And then last but not least, I got to say, I think those nuggets. The name is funny. It's a nugget. Tasty nugget. You put that in uh, some uh, honey mustard, Wes, and I'm good to go. Ooh, Good to go. A little I honey mustard with your I don't minutes. care about pink slime. Um, you know what? I'm still here. After years and years of pink slime, I'm still here. But let me tell you something. That's not what nuggets are about, Linux Academy. Kind of wish they were, but what it's What are not. they? What are no, they? No, no. In fact, it's just like you go deep dive into a particular topic. Something like, you know, I don't know, an SSH tunnel for like a few minutes or something really massive for like 60 minutes. But it's a deep dive into a singular topic. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go check it out. It's really great. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. Okay. Now, uh, feel free to let me hear it, but uh, I- I- am, I a, am I the biggest hypocrite in the world by uh, hosting uh, two Linux podcasts a week and then planning for them in Slack? And I'll tell you, uh, I've gotten a lot of emails because I haven't really talked about it in Linux Action Show or Linux Unplugged, but I have talked about it in Coder Radio. And, and in Coder Radio, I've been getting consistent emails about Mattermost and, uh, and, and other alternatives to Slack. And I, I find it interesting that I'm, I'm thinking about this at the same time. I'm also seeing, uh, I, you know, a, a post from a, a lot of different people about Slack, including this one over at uh, DrewDevVault.com, where he says, Don't use Slack. It's closed source, has only one client. Well, not really. That's not true. Uh, it's a walled garden, requires users to have different tabs open for each project, and requires uh, hacks to do open registration. He says, Go with IRC which I say IRC is not an open-source product. It is a protocol. It does not compete with Slack or things like Mattermost. But let me have it. Am I a huge hypocrite? Am I a jerk for hosting the Linux Action Show and then using Slack to plan it?
2: I wish I could comment, but uh, since I'm helping plan on Slack... <laughs> and you use Slack for work, I too. I do use Slack for work. Yeah. Um, we. Yeah. I'm torn. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Uh,
6: it, me. It, uh, part, of me, part of me says... Yes, you gigantic hypocrite! You you should be using other things, but the fact is, you're using the best tool for the job, and for you, that tool is the best tool for the job. Um, and IRC works and is is relatively robust. Uh, you know, if you we we often have problems. We use IRC a lot in Canonical, and we use freenode, and we have our own internal private IRC server. And when one goes down, we switch to the other. Uh, and and when Slack goes down, what do you do? You know, you'll, you'll probably switch to something else, whether it be IRC or Telegram or, or something else. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm torn because I also use non-free stuff. I use Telegram, which open source client, but closed back end. Yeah, uh, right. So you know, I'm in the same position. I, I'm pragmatic about these things.
1: Yeah, I find this to be an interesting trend that's developing, Uh, and I think you could also say the same thing would apply to Google Docs or Office 365 or Basecamp or Wunderlist or anything, really. Debian shouldn't use Wunderlist to plan their tasks, right? Uh, Anyways, it it is something that's.
5: That's because it's owned by Microsoft.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. It is, and the reason why I brought it up on Linux Unplugged is because it is something that seems to be brewing on going on in the background. And so uh, for my 50-foot view or 500-foot view or whatever you want to call it, uh, my, my, my intention here is sort of like uh, looking at the landscape, looking at Slack, and saying, does this idea of a way for, uh, for group collaboration... Because we're trying to solve something where you have people all over the world, and, and the things we work on, they absolutely, without a doubt, take a week. You know, every single show, from the moment we go off the air, everybody that walks away from the show starts thinking about the sh- next show. As soon as you're done, you go, oh, geez, well, wow, I'm done with, I'm done with 117, but oh, my God, now I have to do 118.
2: Yeah, you open it's, the net for the next one.
1: Right. So Slack gives us a place for all of us who are doing that to dump those things when they come up. And plan for the next thing. And then we start, and we pick up momentum as that show gets closer. And the, 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 uh, and the reason why it's a little better than IRC is it allows for additional functionality that's kind of nice to have. And it also gives you something that is very, very valuable. A, it's set up ready to go right now. I just want to start – I just want to do a brain dump. I do not want to start setting up software. I want to do a brain dump. It gives me that immediately, and I think that's important. B or 2, whatever, it has large user adoption, kind of like Skype or Google Docs. Wes already had an account. You know, Rotten Corpse already had an account. Right. I don't right? have to have a new client. So I don't Indigo. have to – yeah. Yeah. So we have people in the – you know, we have people ready to start – already can just get going without that, quote-unquote, friction. That was a nice thing to have. And then, and then you know, number three or uh, C, whatever, uh, that was really kind of great about uh, Slack is it just isolates it. It's, it's all of that stuff in one space where IRC now can be dedicated to other things. Uh, this is dedicated to those things. And if I do not, as, as a person who sometimes has to be able to step away and have, for God's sakes, two hours that don't involve work, it is so nice to know that I can open up Telegram or I can open up my IRC client and there will not be 35 questions about work. Uh, you know, If, that, if I want to find that, I go into Slack. And so it, it also gives separation and space. And, and the thing is, Slack just gives that immediately. So the idea was, does this concept actually add value as, you know, or, as an organizational tool? I think the, the answer to that is yes. Slack does seem to demonstrate there's value there. So now my, as somebody who is an open source advocate, my question is, well, now can I replace that functionality with Mattermost and can I convince the team to switch? It's not really my job, though, to make Mattermost more competitive. Now, J- the Jupyter Broadcasting team is, is pretty much ready to switch to something that is more open than the alternative. Like, we were all using Viber for a while to do oh, team right. messaging. And as soon as I said, you know what, Telegram looks like a way better solution... And, you know, the protocol's open, the client's open. I, I'm, using, I'm using, you know, a totally open client right now. Let's go to Telegram. Everybody switched to Telegram immediately, even if it didn't do absolutely everything Viber did. Like, right. it didn't do stickers and all that stupid crap at the time. It added that stuff later. And everybody switched. So the Jupyter Broadcasting team and probably a lot of open source project teams are are, are a little more w- willing to switch before others would. So I can probably get Mattermost set up in a, in, in a droplet up on DigitalOcean, ready to go. And get, say, yeah, it doesn't do everything Slack does. Yeah, sorry, it won't quite integrate with Dropbox. Yeah, you can't write the bot that we wanted to write. But you can move over to Mattermost, and it's going to be a pretty solid collaboration tool because we've, we we have bored the idea out without having to spend two days setting up the server first.
6: That's true. But you've, you've, said, you've already said that you've switched from IRC to Viber and from Viber to Telegram and now from Telegram to Slack.
1: I what? wouldn't say switched because they're all, with the exception of Viber, we did totally re- replace Telegram and Viber. Like Viber was totally replaced by Telegram, but IRC is still used as a secondary tool. Like
6: right, right. I doubt you'll make that go away because yeah. there's loads of us sat here lurking <laughs> in the IRC channel. Unless you well, shut down. Well, no, I mean even down. from
1: like a production standpoint, like we have back we have backend channels that aren't public that we're still using.
6: Right, and and that's what I mean. The, the the kind of people who sit in those channels are the kind of people who will continue to sit in those channels. But I don't know. It seems like you don't have that much of a problem switching from one system to another. And when you said that, um, yeah, I Slack agree. was easy because other people were already on it. That's just first mover advantage and the network effect because they were the right, not yes, not right. IRC, but you know something like IRC communication method. Mattermost is the free software option. So, when, in the same way that Windows has got first mover advantage against Linux, and Linux is the free software advantage, you you should be choosing Linux over Windows in the same way that you should choose Mattermost over Slack. I uh,
1: I I suppose I see your point there, and it means that when Mattermost is ready, or when we're ready, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a hard transition to switch.
2: Yeah, if we do it, have that advantage.
1: Yeah. yeah, not everybody does though.
2: Right. Yeah.
5: I think the the the, the main takeaway from this is that with Mattermost there's a lot more setup issues that you have to deal with. So if you're just trying to test to see if the the concept of Slack or Mattermost will work, it would make more sense to try out Slack first just because it's it's a, a lot easier barrier to entry. If, if you re-listen to exactly what
6: um, Rotten just said and replace what he said about Slack and Mattermost with Windows and Linux where he said You're right, <laughs> fact, yeah. He said yeah. Linux is harder to set up. And that's why yeah, we're you're currently right. using Slack.
1: And, and and what I think so, the answer uh, there is though is see
5: myself out
1: now. No, no, <laughs> no. I think what the what the answer there is is, uh, and I uh, in Koda Radio this week I linked to and I talked a little bit about. There is a guide now that makes setting up uh, a, a Docker container with Mattermost on a DigitalOcean droplet a pretty straightforward process. So it's not. It's getting to the point now where if you are a little technically inclined and you are you are okay spending a few minutes doing stuff, you can deploy Mattermost now, and that's about. I
6: would, I would bet you five dollars that. If you told one of your minions you wanted to switch to Matamost, by the time you wake up and have done your hair in the morning, someone will have it <laughs> running.
1: Sir, how long oh. do you think it takes me to do my hair?
2: <laughs> well, I, I have an hour and a half, that's my bad. Just really? in case, you know. <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny, actually. It's it's funny you say that because, so, uh, I have a girlfriend, and I had to meet her family, right, because that's a thing you do. And uh, I met her sister, and her sister's like, I really like your hair. And I'm like... <laughs> Okay, that's awkward, but thank you. Yep. And she's like, "Does it? How long does it take you in the morning?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and I, I never, I stopped and thought about it. Like, do people actually think it takes me a while to do this? It because... does
6: look, as a guy, it does look high maintenance. Chris, I, it I, really does.
1: Now, Poppy. What I what I have to assure you is what I have done is I have routinated and I have I have I have factored as any male would his hair this hairstyle. I, I it is the laziest approach possible. It is so funny like okay, here's another story. No shit, and then we'll move on. I uh the first like one of the one of the first times I ever like worked with Noah on location, we go to a Denny's and we sit down, his wife is there, and we're having dinner and he goes, "Okay, so tell me how you do your hair." I'm like, uh. "What?" Tell me how you do your hair. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I I get out of the shower and then I grab the comb and I like comb it the way I want it to comb it. And every now and then, every now and then I'll put like I have like this uh this coconut stuff I'll put in there Ooh. and that's it. That's it. I get it from the grocery See, store. <laughs> the grocery you, store. You haven't
6: you've you've completely left out what time you get out of the shower and what time you get out of the bathroom <laughs> after you've done your hair. Sir, That's the crucial your fantasy
1: thing. aside, yeah. it, is, it is literally, <laughs> uh, here's, here's, here is literally the trick. You just do it, you do it before it dries.
5: So no, actually, Puppy, what he left out is that he conjures black magic. Yeah,
1: right. Okay. All right, fine. I'll tell you about some black magic. That is Cinnamon 2.8, which was released uh, today, uh, and of course, you're going to see it soon in Linux Mint 17.3 Rosa, planned for release at the end of November. Uh, it has better sound applets, and man, I've got to tell you, I've been using Ubuntu Mate this weekend. It's nice. But that looks way better. Yeah, that's pretty slick. <laughs> I love you, Wimpy, but that does look really good.
0: Uh, all right. All right. I've uh, got my rhino hijack on.
1: <laughs> uh, so uh, the, uh, the, a lot of nice improvements to this new version of Cinnamon. Uh, the new workspace switcher is super, super slick, and it harkens back to basically what you get from GNOME 2 or a Desktop uh, Mate now. Uh, The system tray has got a lot of improvements. The window list is really slick with a really nice tightened window thumbnails, visual improvements all throughout, including better support for high DPI. And they did a little magic to make sure that if you hook up a 4K uh, television, which are notoriously horrible at telling the operating system what they do, uh, much, much improved support for that, including uh, high DPI, which is... I mean, I gotta say it again, including high DPI. I mean, I gotta say it again, including high DPI. I gotta say it one more time, high DPI. uh, As as I have one machine with high DPI, and I feel like I'm constantly suffering. A couple other things were uh, uh, changed. Sorry, Cinnamon now supports a microphone mute buttons. Uh, The Cinnamon settings daemon is more robust than before, and X-rander support was significantly improved. Many bug fixes were ported from GNOME Shell. As a matter of fact. Also, speaking of interesting things imported into the project, Cinnamon 2.8 also supports Qt5 applications, which now look more native and use the GTK theme that you've selected. Uh, I don't know exactly how that's pulled off, but I find it to be fascinating. Yeah, I'm curious and to see what
2: that looks like. Also,
1: performance improvements throughout. Now you use Mint, don't you?
2: I'm still using uh, I'm still using Mint at work with uh, the Cinnamon desktop, and
1: and how many times does the Cinnamon desktop crash?
2: Mm, very rarely
1: really good good because last time i tried it it was and the only time i've actually
2: had a crash in the past six months was due to a amd graphics card issue are you going to go to the the next mint or what are you going to do you know i haven't decided that yet Mm -hmm. i'm kind of looking to see how the next fedora release comes out oh find out yeah all
1: right so uh one last desktop release uh while on the other end of the uh low resources desktop lxde has a big update uh, LXDE 0.10 is out. This release, they say they focused on cleanup and polishing and quality of life improvements with over 400 issues fixed and do- dozens of new translations. They also gained two new frameworks, Solid, which replaces libxqt mount, and some custom power management code and libkscreen, screen, which replaces the xrandr calls and... Is Wayland forward compatible? Hey,
2: that's nice to hear.
1: Actually, I don't know why they didn't put this front and center, because the issue, or the number one uh, update that I like is their new LXQT sudo, which makes that, like, when you launch something and it needs your your sudo password, it's much nicer dialogue uh, in this release. That would have been one of my front center front features. Front and center, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is in this new release as well. Also, uh, new file manager improvements, better support for the trash can, whatever the hell that is. And you get ready for this, Wes. Search functionality, good old search functionality. Functionality, geez, that one, thing, that one beer that turned into two beers has made me all kinds of sloppy. But uh, congratulations to LXDE. They, uh, oh, oh, this was also, <laughs> I this was also really good. Uh, some other really important new updates to the new release uh, version 0.10.0 features. Are you ready for this, Wes? Replaces all instances of LX, lowercase X. Lowercase t, so it's L, lowercase x, lowercase t, but upper L and Q. Now everything is uppercase. They've replaced all instances with that with L X Q, and then a lowercase, lowercase t. t. That's important yeah.
2: for consistency. Yeah. So, oh,
1: so from right, so I'm going to write this down right now, so that way I remember it right now. So it's uppercase L X, okay, Q, and then a lowercase t. Perfect. Excellent work, Chris. As of 0.10.0, that is officially the way you are supposed to say that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know, Wes. I don't even know, but I just want to make sure we get that right. In fact, wasn't there also, speaking of feedback, before we wrap up feedback, there was feedback on how to pronounce Matei, speaking of our, our, our Slack chat. And uh, I, I, Wimpy, can you tell me, apparently I've been saying it wrong again. Do you know about this, Wimpy? Am, am, I, am I a jackass?
0: No, you're yes. very close this time. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you, thank you, yes, yes, thank you.
0: <laughs> no, I I pronounce it mate. And, mate, uh, mate. So and like, I don't an know. M-A... That I don't know that I've, I don't know I've I've got the correct sort of uh, Spanish, uh, you know. So
1: M A H T A Y.
0: Yeah, mate, <laughs> like latte. <laughs> I was I was, ever, told, maybe, I was told the easiest way to remember is it's mate, like latte.
1: Yeah, I was told that too, but that didn't seem to stick for some reason.
5: Damn it, I yep. hate that. Maybe you can just say it slower. Mate is to, technically, you can say it because people pronounce uh, mate, uh, yerba mate with uh, yerba mate as well. But mate is the word.
1: Also, also, uh, also. while I'm, while I'm uh, doing pronunciations, uh, yaome actually pronounced xiaome. Xiaomi, xiaomi, xiaomi. I believe. Xiaomi, actually. <laughs> Which one Sha- of those twelve brown Sha- <laughs> is the right one? <laughs> you sh- guys get to Xiaomi. guess. You know, you know what? You know what I hate? I hate all of you and guys. the value of this is negative. I, uh, I hate
0: all of you guys. Whilst what's you're what about Huawei? Well, what about Huawei, yeah. It's pronounced, Huawei. pronounced like...
1: Huawei. Huawei. Yeah, it's, it's
0: Huawei is how you pronounce it.
1: But this Huawei. feedback right here says Huawei. Look, right there yeah, on the wrong. screen. <laughs> See, this is part of the problem. Before you hate me and judge me for how I pronounce things, do understand I have I have hundreds of different versions. Look, right there, that says Huawei.
2: Now you're adding something. Just
1: embrace it's it. Huawei.
6: Embrace it. it, it okay, it'll, so, it's your quirk, Chris. People will, will yeah, love it. I bet, I bet you don't no, say they don't love the, it. The, that, that Finnish um, phone manufacturer, the correct way that a Finnish person would say it. You know the one? Yala? No, the the old one that used to make phones.
1: Oh, uh, no, I don't know. Hold on, actually no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No no hold on I do. Right. uh no I do. Uh Nokia. No 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 that's not it. No no that's not it. All right. no okay. go, go, go ahead, Wes, you talk to your tongue. Go ahead, try it, try it. I don't know. <laughs> Nokia, 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 no, Nokia, right. Nokia, and, Nokia.
0: Nokia.
5: Nokia about. Nokia. Right. Nokia is right,
0: and they don't. it's Nokia. That's how we roll.
5: All right, fine. We that's, know what you're saying, but yeah. just 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 to have a little bit of a, a interesting <laughs> fun, uh, Chris, the name of the music player I just posted in the IRC. How do you say
1: that? Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, jeez, come on, Rod, that's designed. <laughs> that's designed to fail right there. It a, is. That, exactly. is a, wow. that, that is. That is. Wow, that is. Oh, wow. Okay, so thank you, everybody. I'm sorry uh, for my horrible pronunciations, uh, but you know, what, you know what? I'll tell you what I can pronounce, and I can pronounce it real good. You know what that is? That's DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com right now and use our promo code of Ultimate Power D-O-Unplugged. D-O-Unplugged will give you a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean.com with their $5 You can try it out for two months for absolutely free. Two months for absolutely free. You know what? DigitalOcean is super, super flexible, super simple because... They're using Linux for all of their virtualization. KVM is the engine, and they're all sitting on top of SSDs. You can get started in less than fifty-five seconds, and pricing plans start at only five dollars a month. That's nuts. Hold that's on hard to believe. Hold on, that's nuts. Five dollars. That's like less than a single beer if you go out. That's how much that, that for five dollars a month you get five hundred twelve megabytes like a cup of RAM. Of
2: coffee.
1: Yeah, or you know what? Like less than it's actually even less than a burger from Wendy's. That is something. Uh, $5 a month will get you 512 megabytes, RAM, 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. Yeah, that's right. A terabyte of transfer. If you go over to DigitalOcean 2, use the promo code DONplugged right now, and you won't even have to put in a credit card. They have a very, very solid interface. It's really intuitive and easy to use, and you can replicate it on a larger scale with their straightforward API. Very intuitive control panel. I love it. And they've got a brand new data center in Toronto, and they've also just rolled out floating IPs. I, I think this is gonna make this is gonna take it up to the next level for them. This is really gonna bring you up Because like, if you grow if you're if you're if you're gonna need to move things around, this is a no brainer. Floating IPs you can read about it over DigitalOcean. Plus
2: I think it's a great strategy. I mean I don't really need everything in my life to be high availability, but now that I can, I, that's gonna probably pick up a few more droplets just to have them I, on standby.
1: Like if I was like uh, if I was like doing VC talk and I was down to like, yeah, we have an on demand Linux uh, infrastructure that we just deploy uh, uh, it servers on demand. Oh yeah, what's your cost on that? Shh, it's pretty low. It's like five dollars a machine. No, yeah, it's like five dollars a machine, <laughs> and then you know it just goes up to like ten dollars from there. And sometimes we even, I, you know what? I've even figured out a way to deploy the machine two months for free. No! Yeah, two months for free. No! Yes, I use the promo code D-O-Unplugged. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code D-O-Unplugged. Go try them out. They got CoreOS, they got Fedora, they got Ubuntu. They even got free Bizzle. I don't know why you'd want to use it as a server, because everybody everybody knows FreeBSD makes the best desktop out there. So you could try that. But use the promo code D-O-Unplugged. And really, what I would do... Screw that, uh, CentOS, and uh, screw that Ubuntu. Just between you and me, Wes. Yep. CoreOS.
2: Yep. CoreOS. Seriously, CoreOS. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm putting my. Money. If, if, if there was CoreOS stock, I would be buying it right now. I'm just saying. Just saying. But you can do whatever. If you want to do Ubuntu LTS and have five years of patches and have tons of easy access to tutorials and community, that's, that's fine. That'd be fine. You could try that too, D.O. Unplugged. But I'm just saying, they also have a lot of really good community tutorials. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code D.O. Unplugged and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. All right, Wes. Now, uh, you know me. I'm not like some hardcore advocate about uh, free software. I don't sit here and tell you that uh, everything must be free and that if you don't make free software... I think that we should all make those businesses fail. But I'll tell you, something's got me fired up, real fired up recently, and I'm not even a driver or an owner of a Volkswagen, but this whole Volkswagen scandal is ridiculous, and I want to talk about proprietary software in devices not only our lives depend on, but are just really integrated our day-to-day lives but first if you're not familiar with the volkswagen stuff because all you care about is technology and you're not actually following the news no judgment this story this clip will bring you up to speed
5: volkswagen cheated
1: on emissions tests again says the epa this time about 10,000 vw porsche and audi diesel engine cars are implicated they're all installed with software that makes the cars emit less pollution during tests when driving
5: on real roads The cars emit nine times the legal limit of nitrogen oxide.
1: So this software, I'm gonna stop it right there. This software is specifically designed by Volkswagen that when it is in test mode, it alters the way the engine performs. And when you're not in test mode, nine times of some of the most poisonous types of gases come out of the tailpipe of these diesel vehicles.
5: Which causes respiratory problems. In September, emissions cheating was exposed in 11 million other VW cars worldwide. None of the cars have been recalled in the U.S. and are still safe to drive. The company could owe the EPA billions of dollars in fines, including nearly $400 million associated with the latest batch of cars.
1: The latest batch of cars includes Porsches, Audis. I mean, we're talking, you know, high-end vehicles. And this has caused the mainstream press, like Cars.com and The New York Times and a bunch of others that are running pieces that it's uh, that are basically saying that proprietary software is the blame. They say outright fraud is possible because of proprietary software. Uh, and I think this is remarkable. They say it's a bad situation. to get far, far worse. You throw a perfectly good phone away after two or three years because components goes bad. But because the manufacturer refuses to provide parts and code updates, really, as the driver of an old but beloved car that uh, that owns there was this latest uh, 50,000 miles to the abilities of mechanics who understand the engine's technology, uh, which is a huge, great point, by the way. Uh, I, I, uh, they say, they go on to point out that, that a day is coming when great cars get scrapped because the automaker decided it was time to force me to buy a new one. Uh, this is Andy anaco writing for Cars.com.
2: In that in that same report, you know, he touches on the same thing we were talking about the other week, um, You know, with Apple users not owning their software, only licensing it. Uh, Here we see that more and more carpet companies, in this case, General Motors lawyers, have defended the practice that you don't own the General Motors software in your car. They do. Yeah. You have no right to play with it or tinker it or make sure that it's not polluting more than you think.
1: Right. Nine times more than they say it is. You go in to get it tested, and it's then polluting nine times more than you
2: thought it was. You go in to get it tested. Yep. I hope uh, they're uh, revising the tests here as well. Maybe something you stick in the tailpipe while it drives around.
1: Pronoun, uh, you, you had a comment about proprietary software by law. Go ahead.
2: Yes,
6: uh, I think some
3: law entity in Europe actually um, had a law that you have to put proprietary software on cars so they can't be hacked.
1: Huh. Uh, that is horrible. And uh, obviously, uh, this would be an underscoring reason why that would be a bad idea uh wimpy what do you have here uh from the podcast uh on episode season 8 episode 34 of the ubuntu uh, podcast? sorry
0: it, it, that was the wrong link that's oh. the one after that about the uh librarian of congress oh yes
1: yeah from the eff yes and actually uses. this is kind of where it's going we kind of touched um, on this last week yeah good point but
0: there's a particular point in there about h- how this affects car security research repair and modification what did you catch um that they've recognized the need for vehicle owners to circumvent access restrictions in order to repair the yeah. defined tinker yeah and one of the things in this vw case is that you're not able to actually determine what the proprietary software is doing or not doing with regard to these uh, test emission levels and and, w- and how the car is being ch- tuned is because it's drm protected and because of the dmca you're not allowed to you know hack it But under this provision you now are
1: this is a big deal. Yeah, this is a really big deal and it it is the Librarian of Congress has extended this uh, DMCA I guess Exemption to also phones and tablets too Uh, And I wonder if this whole Volkswagen catastrophe isn't partly responsible for this
2: It seems to be turning the tide in at least some of the public perception
1: So here is now I just I don't want to be like this guy, but I just want to put this out there So let's be realistic The industry is what it is. They're not going to be, it's not going to be kumbaya, open source, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be, at best, people reverse engineering and figuring things out. This software, this stuff is literally going to affect our lives. It is the stuff that runs our cars, the stuff that runs the trains, the stuff that runs the drones, the stuff that runs all of this.
7: Chris, mm-hmm. just just imagine for a second if SISA uh, or TTPIP uh, or the TTP was in full effect, the person that would have found this bug in the uh, Volkswagen software would be going to jail.
1: Right, and North Ranger, you also kind of wanted to play on that on the DMCA laws. Well, yeah, I mean, what Wimpy pointed
7: out
4: with the um, exemption granted by the U.S. or Cop- uh, the Librarian of Congress. Um, still doesn't fix, uh, I wouldn't call it a loophole, it's a, it's a big catch with the DMCA is that the Library of Congress exemption only allows individuals to um, bypass uh, circumvention in things like you know cars and uh, video games with servers. It, it's still a criminal act to distribute tools to break those.
1: Right, that's a good point. Wimpy actually has a really good point about how this could be a great opportunity to explain it to regular users about why DRM and DMCA stuff is so bad. Go ahead, Wimpy.
0: Well, you know, normally we associate DRM with content, and if you try and explain why DRM is bad because it protects video or music content to, you know, your friends and family outside of the open source world, that's a difficult sell. But if you explain this story... That the software, automotive software, is DRM protected, and maybe tuning the car differently for its test cycle than when it's on the road, but nobody can prove that because it's DRM protected. It's a better way to explain why a DRM is a bad thing and we shouldn't have it.
1: Yeah, boy, isn't that a good point? And uh, and uh, and why not having insight into the software is not a good thing. And I think that is exactly. Yeah, and I think we are seeing so much, and we have some links in the show notes, we're seeing a lot of people report on this. It's kind of encouraging in a way. I wonder, but so here's my question, Wes, and is this crazy?
2: I have a feeling I'm going to say yes. All right,
1: as I wait for this stuff to shake out, is it that unreasonable for me to just avoid all of these things, avoid the automated cars, avoid all of this stuff, and just say... As a person who is a privacy advocate, as somebody who wants to know how my stuff works, as somebody who wants to have control and oversight, is it reasonable for me to say I am just not going to participate for the next few years in this next way? Is that actually seriously reasonable? Like, because what that would mean would be I can't buy a car after a certain amount of time. I was going to
2: say, how are you? How are you going to manage this? Right. So, is it you're going to be stuck with outdated products?
1: But so here's what, here's why this question fascinates me. It seems like people who are, are extremely interested in the cutting edge, what's, what's really going to happen next, but, but very informed on it, are going to have to face the question if they want to participate. In, if you know how unreliable software and technology is, you're going to be pretty uncomfortable with the direction things are going. Yes. And you have to ask yourself, am I going to be one of the first this, – in this first generation who buys into this? Or am I going to let a generation of products pass me by? Because this is finally getting to the point where now your life is on the line. I feel like at the end of the day, I'm probably somebody who wants to just take that risk. But is it unreasonable to say, I'm going to let it just pass? Is that just get off my lawn?
2: No, I don't think it's unreasonable. I think it, you know, it depends on your priorities. You're in a little bit of a tighter spot in that you report on the tech news, uh, but that's uh, yeah, sure. You know, for someone who's not that involved, who doesn't need to have an understanding of the latest and greatest, and maybe doesn't have a lot of workflows they are looking to change, I think that maybe for the next five, ten years, you can get away with it. We'll see what it looks like at that point. Yeah,
1: let it play out for a bit. It's kind of like you can, you can kind of. I mean, I don't know, boy. It is for me. It's. It seems. It seems like. A, it we're seems, definitely coming to that crossroads, though. Yeah, and it seems like if you're an advocate of open source and uh, and open standards, this is not a great time that we're going into for you. But I hate that to be a downer. So let me tell you about something that makes me feel really good. That's my mobile service provider, <laughs> Ting. I mean it, too, because Ting is great. It's mobile that finally puts you in the position of power. If you're so sick and tired of all these different companies running you over and taking advantage of you and milking you, check out Ting. Go to linux.ting.com. You know what I mean, right? I sure do. Yeah. Like, uh, Like all of the mobile companies out there, and I have to be honest with you. I am getting so freaking burned by some of them. Even the ones that pl- I'm the uncarrier. Yes, yeah. and then and then let me completely screw up net neutrality for you, and let me be the uncarrier and completely usher in the era of where pro services pay
2: to be completely unrated. They're selling like, the public on it, and then we're, right? we're the tech yeah. savvy of us I are screwed. I
1: hate that. Yep. And then you have then on the other end you have the the duopoly, right? On the other end you have the duopoly, and it is just the worst. Ting is mobile. It makes Here's why it's great. Flat $6 a month. And then you just pay for what you use. You want three phones, it's $6 for each phone. It's not a complicated thing. And here's the nice thing too. Like if a couple of those phones aren't gonna get a lot of usage, then they don't cost you very much. And if you're even like, I don't know, a tiny bit Wi-Fi savvy, you can really go nuts with the savings. Three lines, 40 bucks a month. That's what I'm paying. Linux.ting.com will take $25 off your first device or it'll give you a $25 service credit. I want you to try them out and click that savings calculator. They got a lot of stuff over at Ting. Try them out. They got a GSM and CDMA network. I think this is a ridiculous deal though. The LG G Flex 2. It's got that curve to it, you know. I like some curves, Wes. Yeah, I do. I like, too. Yeah, LG Flex 2's got the curves for $237, ships tomorrow, no contract, no early termination fee. You own that phone. a month for what you use. And then just your usage on $237. And it's like, that's not for like a two-year contract. That's, That's just an unlocked phone that you own. You pay for what you use. They they have CDMA and GSM too. So if you've got a GSM device or a CDMA device, you might be able to bring it over to the Ting network. And they have a whole range of devices that'll work. This is one suggestion. I'm putting this out there because the LG G Flex Two is a really nice phone, and for two hundred thirty seven dollars on the that's Ting a network, great value. that's a great. That's just a. That's just exactly it. That's just a really great value. Uh, also, I would I would say go check out the Ting blog. Uh, if you've been kind of. Uh, Pondering the idea of what you can get by. Do you need a good... You want, you want like, that sweet spot. An Android device that gets updates, decent performance, but doesn't cost $600. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, uh, they've got a Ting blog by Andrew over there. Go to... Uh, well, no, go to linux.ting.com and click on the blog. That way we get credit. He's been trying out the uh, Moto E 2nd Gen for a month and writing about it. He's looking for, basically, a sub-$200 perfect Android phone. And he's been blogging about his experience. Linux.ting.com. Go try them out. It's mobile that it really does make sense. Linux.ting.com also supports the Unplug show and keeps us going. So a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Linux.ting.com. Go try them out. They are on a mission to make mobile make sense. Linux.ting.com. Thanks, Ting. All right. So today, do you feel it? Do you smell it? It's... Well, that might be something else. No, the other thing you smell is Fedora23 released today. Anybody in the mumble room actually have it installed as we speak? Is that actually a thing? Don't don't let us down. Come on, anybody, anybody, anybody. Just no. one. No, no, no. Okay. It's for people who like to mess with computers.
2: Maybe right. maybe we just aren't
1: the right crowd. <laughs> no, anymore. we're not the. And we're not talking to the right people. These guys in here, they don't like to mess with computers. There's all the software you'd want is free and available on the Linux platform. But they don't care about that in the Mumble room. Most nope. of the web runs on servers powered by Linux. Oh, okay. Tyler's. Any- yeah, go ahead.
7: If it's any consolation, I actually was going to be running it, but I woke up late this
1: morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. Tyler in the chat room says he's way—he's, uh, he's, you know what, Fedora, he's—nah, that's not his thing. He's going for OpenSUSE Leap tomorrow.
2: Yeah, I can understand that.
1: I actually have it downloaded upstairs. I, I, I was like, well, I'll do the torrent. I'm going to help contribute to seeding the uh, Fedora 23 download. It downloaded in, like, I don't know, 45 seconds. Yep. It was right. ridiculously fast. I'm. I've. I've. I've been also following like the RPM Fusion drama. Supposedly RPM Fusion repos are good to go, but the website hasn't been updated, oh. so people are super confused at this point. And also, Fedly isn't updated for Fedora 23, so people are uh, super uh, hurt about people that. Really
2: depend on those extras.
1: Yeah, but I'm looking at Fedora 23 Workstation. and I think the thing that jumps out about to me is uh, GNOME 3.18. I kind of ding some of the other distros, like uh, Leap's coming out tomorrow, shipping with GNOME 316. That was interesting six months ago. Uh, but uh, in today's time, 3.18 is much more interesting. And guess what? Fedora 23 ships with that. You see, that's the difference. You see how they do that? That's the difference, you guys. That's the difference. They've actually got the current GNOME. I know. It's crazy. So they've also got, uh, along with that, that means they've got Google Drive support baked into the new Files Manager. Also, the new Copy Dialog Box, which is a total ripoff of the uh, Plasma Copy Dialog Box, just saying, is also included now uh, in Files. LibreOffice 5 is shipping with Fedora Workstation 23, which is uh, great. The new Calendar application, which has been getting worked on for a long time. used to be called California, but now it's just called Calendar. Because California didn't make any sense. And uh, it is now shipping in Fedora Workstation as default. The Builder ID also shipping with code auto-completion for Python. Oh, that's exciting.
2: Brilliant. I've been thinking about trying to give that guy a try.
1: It is very nice. Also, their Markdown support that's is... That's what I heard. Very nice, yes. So I'm looking... For, and the biggest feature, which I don't know if I'll be able to try between now and uh, Friday, but uh, I'll give it a go, is firmware updates via
2: GNOME software. Which, uh, which device are you going to try to brick?
1: Yeah, right? That's a good, I think this one, you're, the one you're Ooh, sitting at. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not, right? Yeah, and then also uh, Wayland is rocking in Fedora 23. Oh, that like, sounds
2: really fun to try. I, it's
1: funny because people are like, hmm, Fedora 23, Ooh, mm, hmm, online, and I'm looking at going, uh, whatever, it's shipping with GNOME 318, it's got the best Wayland support out of the box of any distro, and uh, it's looking really tight. So I'm looking forward to really giving it a go.
2: They Also, they produce very nice images, I must say. Like their ISOs, they've got the multi-boot all set up very nicely. I, I know I, Whenever I get a Fedora ISO, I frequently use it as a, a kind of a helper toolkit because I just know it's going to load on a number of systems, and it always looks nice and comes up with a beautiful GNOME desktop.
1: I agree with you there. I do. I uh, do. Uh, all right. So uh, before we go on, anybody in the mumble Room, any uh, thoughts on Fedora 23 before we wrap up the show today? Go on once. I'm going to go twice on that. Hey, uh, by the way, also, uh, just as a point of reference, in the show notes, there's been, uh, I've noticed in different forums, message threads, things like that, and in our IRC room, depending on how you upgrade to Fedora 23 from Fedora 22, you're having different levels of success. So I've got the official best methods to upgrade from Fedora 22 to 23 in the show notes.
2: Oh, look at how much brighter, prettier 23 looks in that picture.
1: Yeah, you see what they did is they took 22, they took the same exact thing, but they made it darker.
2: Yep. Yeah. So that you don't want me... to be on the dark one.
1: No, I want to be on the one that they turn the uh, the
2: exposure brightness yep. up. 23, that's the good one. That's
1: the one that's got the higher exposure yep. setting. <laughs> Wes, you have astutely noticed exactly the same exact thing that I noticed when I went <laughs> uh, into this thing. It's like, oh, they're obviously like, this is the dim one. It's no good. Anymore. No, good. <laughs> no good. No good. It's old and busted. <laughs> but
7: what if we are creatures of darkness?
1: Ooh, in the night we lurk. Many Linux users are also creatures of darkness. Yes, this is That's true. true. We'll hang out in Fedora 22 land for a while. All right. That brings us to the end of this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Thank you for tuning in on a Tuesday. Did you know we did this show on a Tuesday? You might be listening on demand. You might not have any idea. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar. That frickin' daylight savings. Ugh, it's the worst. Hate it, Wes.
2: We should just make the calendar UTC only.
1: Well, we just automatically adjust to your... Okay, well,
2: that works too.
1: ...contrived time zone you hairless monkey over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar go to jblive.tv to watch us live Linux reddit.com for feedback topic suggestions and more also jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send us in some emails but you know what better than all of that s join us in our virtual
2: lug yeah come be here right the, it's, it's a ton of fun i mean how many every other, week
1: how many other podcasts out there are like yeah if your mic checks out you can join us and just like share your opinion
2: you know what? Yell at us. Tell us we're wrong. Yeah. Don't know what we're talking about. Well, I don't know. Or, or come and give us compliments. That'd That's what we too. prefer. That'd but be good,
1: too. Whatever. We're open. JBLive.tv. Then do uh, Bang Mumble to get that info and join us live. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for that. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next Tuesday, everybody. Bye, Zays. <laughs> Man, that was a lot of show, and yeah. uh, and Wes will attest. I was, I was, I was. Uh, what is it? What's the appropriate term? Because I don't want to say balls deep. I was, uh, I was deep into uh, something before the show
2: started. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting taken care of business. Like, you might say life changing business. Yes. Before the show started, you nailed it. You, you buttoned right, it right, right up, there. Transitioned right into a perfect what? show. And you know what? And you know
1: It's funny because I showed up, Wes, and I, you know, um, literally today, uh, minutes before we go on air, my life is changing. And I show up. We do a show. So,
2: same old, same old.
1: Mark shows up. Mark's never been here before. Mark shows up. He does a show, right? And then I go to jbtitles.com, and you know what I see, Wes? Fourteen titles. I showed up. You showed up. Mark showed up. Where's the chat room at?
2: Where are the titles? Where's the titles at? Absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. Maybe slacking off is the appropriate title.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or at least
2: the meta title.
1: Wow. For the chat room Because everybody else showed up Everybody else showed up <laughs> uh, You know what I'm gonna go get a beer Do
2: I'm gonna it. grab a beer
1: There goes the no beer rule I'm throwing it out and grabbing beer
2: That was a stupid rule <laughs> Ouch. Oh wait he can still hear that
1: Wes I uh, left one beer for you
2: Well I added some more there I saw that then. Okay, there you You're a go. good man Wes You come bearing gifts You gotta grease the JB wheels
1: that's true. All right. How's our uh, join queue doing? Boy, still uh All right. All right. Okay. I think I think Rotten's on top of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys about Odd Camp. Okay. So, let me open up this beer.
4: And then I never we'll... never did ask Chris uh which of the Minnesota brews he liked most.
1: Huh. You know, now that I'm looking back at it, I don't know if I could pull them all out individually anymore. Uh I don't know if I just... I don't remember if I, re, if I recall. And, and actually, they were all really good. Yeah, some of those were pretty strong.
5: Volkswagen cheated on emissions.
2: Really
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. I don't think the room could even hear it. So yeah, we did. Fine. Oh, you did hear that?
2: I forget that video, video was theme. autoplay in oh, the horrible world we live in. We
1: can hear everything. It's too late. We can hear everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, that's so
7: what fine. What you got there? Porter, stout, IPA.
5: I'm not going to dignify that with an answer.
1: Actually, it is an Imperial IPA. It's a Pyramid Outburst, a dry hopped Indian Pale Ale. Uh, the Pyramid Brewing Company is, uh, I believe, uh, in our neck of the woods. Isn't that correct, uh, Wes? Aren't they? Yeah, they're from Portland, Oregon, as a matter of fact. So, this is a beer right out of Portland, Oregon, a local beer for us. And uh, I've seen the Pyramid Brewery before. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I haven't gone in, but I've seen it before. So, let me, I'll give it a. Are you, and you've already been drinking this.
2: I have been. It's all
7: about the Oregon beers. Hmm. We make the best beers down here.
1: Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, you're implying that Washington would not make a better beer. I happen to disagree. But, I mean, I think we can be beer brethren. We can be beer buddies. brothers in beer. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, you can't beat Washington beer. Come on, let's let's be honest. I think Washington beer is like some of the best in the nation. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
7: You know what? I'll take you up on that challenge. Give me a beer, and I'll go find it for you. Hmm.
1: Well no, hold on. Now I would
2: have to defer to your local expertise. Yeah, true. That's the only way to make it fair.
1: Yeah. And you know, it, I feel like it, you know, here's the problem is I feel like that question literally changes season to season. So, uh, I would have to go on a all all-star brewery tour to ascertain the current best beer to get it to you. So you would be asking me to basically go drink a lot of beer. This sounds like a whole new show. A lot of tasty beer. And uh, yeah, so yeah, well, okay. All right. Well, we'll see about that. I uh, think
7: those sound like a problem, beer. Chris. Yeah.
1: <laughs>